Welcome to the Hero Front Podcast, the 2022 Veteran Podcast of the Year winner. I'm your host, Josh White, and I talk with heroes around the world to inspire, educate, and to remind you that you are not alone. My own personal journey was marked by struggles like depression and alcoholism, which led me to almost lose my life. Now, after years of working on myself, I'm now blessed to say I have an abundance of pride and purpose, and I have made it my mission to share and spread these lessons by having insightful interviews with inspiring individuals, emphasizing trust, transparency, and meaningful conversation to drive positive action in our lives. Above all, I aim to inspire you to unleash your inner hero. We all have it in us, and it's time to bring it to the front lines of our lives. Let's get after it. What's up, everyone? Josh White here. Thank you so much for tuning in to yet another incredible episode of the Hero Front Podcast. How do I know it's an incredible episode? Because I got local hero Sasha Lopez, a spin instructor who has changed her life, finding her purpose and passion, and is now changing so many other people's lives with giving them the level of fitness and quality of life that they didn't even know was possible to include me, your boy, I went. I loved it. So in this episode, I sit down in person at Rise and Ride Studios with Air Force veteran Sasha Lopez, the driving force behind the cycling studio Rise and Ride. Sasha's journey from the Air Force to becoming a successful spin instructor and entrepreneur is a testament to resilience, determination, and the joy in finding one's true purpose. In this episode, we cover Sasha's remarkable journey from airman to vetrepreneur, her proudest moments as a spin instructor, the challenges that she faced and what life threw at her when getting started. She talks about the humble beginnings of her first gym, her decision to go back to school for business education, and the daily grind of being an entrepreneur. We also get to a point in the conversation where she talks about achieving success in such a competitive industry. She faced criticism, negativity. How did she overcome these challenges? And lastly, we talk about fulfilling her vision. We talk about the ultimate goal of Rise and Ride. Now I can speak from personal experience when I say that Sasha is a superhero who has changed the fitness game for the panhandle of Florida, where myself, my wife, a lot of friends of mine were able to basically have the best spin instructor any of us have ever met in our lives right down the road and it was such a blessing to have her she's helped our fitness journey in so many different ways and we also made a friend so i hope you enjoyed this episode with this very special vetrepreneur sasha lopez let's get after it okay everybody this talk is finally happening so i'm here with sasha lopez from the rise and ride club coming to you from the 850 or 850 Elite Volleyball Academy, which is right outside Eglin Air Force Base. So if you're trying to get your workout on, you have to go to Rise and Ride Club. I'm fat now because I stopped going. But when I was going, I was not fat, and I was really proud of myself. Yeah, you were coming pretty consistently at one point. Yeah, and I started seeing some gains. Mm-hmm. Uh, I showed you that before and after, yeah. and you were like, dang. Like, you, were, you were like, I mean, you've had a slight change, and then I showed you the picture, and you were like, okay, never mind. <laughs> Cycling will do that to you. Absolutely. 
Um, and so we try to do this so many times. Yeah. How many times did we try to do this? I don't know. It's an embarrassing amount. I think four. I think no, prob- five. I think more than that. <laughs> I just keep saying, you know, you're saving the best, not necessary for last, but for a later a later moment. So. Right. So. Yeah, I think you hold the record for most attempts. <laughs> well, I, I got to start off somewhere with some type of record. Right. You got that record. Well, hey. I track all the records, like longest episode, shortest episode. I, I try to track that stuff. Most attempts, Sasha Lopez. Hey, I'll take it. You get that trophy. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> um, but we're finally here now. We're doing it. We're having the talk. And I start off every talk with the hero's gauntlet. Okay. And that's three random questions or pre-planned questions. And then in your case, it is truly random. Yeah. So I'm just going to ask stuff that I just want to know. So question one, why did you leave the Air Force? Why did I leave? I got medically discharged from the Air Force. Really? Yes, I did. What's the story behind that? Unless that's like, you don't want to do that. I mean, no, it's fine. Um, I got really badly injured prior to going to a deployment. And it was an injury that I kind of couldn't come back from. I was security forces. And so you kind of need to be able to stand and do all of the things. Um, I went through two surgeries in the Air Force, wasn't rehabbed well, unfortunately. And then that kind of ended my my short-term career. And how long were you in? I was in three years, eight months, and six days. Was that a medical retirement? It was a medical retirement. So you can get on base? I can get on base, yes. I have full base access. Oh, well, I mean, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they gave me a little, you know, they, they hit me up. They didn't completely kick me out, so that's good. Right. And your last base was at Eglin? No, my last base was Minot, North Dakota. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I would have been injured, too, yeah. if I was there. I've been like, hey. That story is pretty crazy. Yeah. I left California, is where I'm from originally, um, on a Thursday, and it was like 85 degrees, and I took like what was maybe a three or four hour flight. I landed, it was like negative 30 or something crazy. That's when you knew you screwed up. <laughs> I was like, what did I do to deserve this? That's when you knew you screwed up. <laughs> mm. Yeah, they took me from Kadena Air Base to Minot, North Dakota. So. Wow. I, I've been to Kadena as well. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's, that's two completely different climates. <laughs> like literally complete opposites. Yeah, for sure. Okay, so second question would be, what is your proudest moment as a spin instructor? Oh, my proudest, it actually happens more often than not when someone has a moment in class, whether they're going through something stressful or they've just really had a bad day or maybe they're proud of themselves, they catch like themselves in the choreography at a certain point and you see them just light up or start sobbing or you know that you've hit that emotional pinnacle with them. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm lucky enough to see it quite a a bit. So every time I see that, I know that this is making an impact the way that I uh, planned it to. Wow, that's amazing. And and so like you get those proud moments all the time. Mm -hmm. Okay, third question. How are you so good at instructing? (laughs) And I say that because like, you know, I, I was picturing the same thing every time. Right. That, that, you know, before I came here, I was like, I'll give it a shot. And I just uh, assumed it's the same formula every time. Yeah. But somehow you make it different with the songs, with the movements. And, like, you're not even, like, looking at, like, a, like your laptop or a piece of paper. You're just, like, going, like, you're just coming up with this on the fly. Yeah. Uh, like, how do you do that? It takes a lot of practice. I have been in this industry for 15, oh, next year will be 15 years. 
Wow. Um, I didn't start off great. I actually started off pretty bad. And it took a lot of falling on my butt. Okay, what what did I do wrong that time? All right, let's fix it. Okay, fix it. Now fall on my butt for something else. What did I do wrong? Like it, you have, it's trial and error. You know, unfortunately, I didn't have anyone when I was coming through the ranks in this industry to kind of hold me by the hand and say, Sasha, do it this way. You know, don't do this, do this. And uh, I had to figure it out. But once you get it and you have this recipe that works so well, you're able to kind of tailor it to the people and the energy that's in the room. So I think that's what I have, which makes me special, I guess, is that I can feel that energy as soon as people sit on the bikes and I know, okay, it needs to be this type of a ride or this type of a ride in order to create the maximum output and the maximum vibe for those 45 minutes. What vibe did you get when it was just me and that other dude that morning? Oh my goodness. Well, I'm not going to lie. I wanted to kill you guys. Like my, my whole thought process was like, yes, women don't get very much opportunities in the fitness industry to train men. And it's unfortunate because there's so many women who are really good at their jobs. Mm -hmm. But when you walk in and you see, you know, either a woman that's got some muscle or she's very petite and and there's just that I don't I don't want to say prejudice, but kind of in a way prejudice. Mm -hmm. And so when we do get the chance, we have men to train. It's like, all right, I'm going to show you like this is what you came here for. Yeah, I had that (laughs) feeling you were going to destroy us when I was like, it's just me and another dude. I was like, this is. Not good. Yeah. But and you guys did so good, though. We, I had, you, you're looking right at us. <laughs> like, I can't hide in the back and just, like, pretend. This is true. You're, you literally are looking right at us. Mm-hmm. And I, if someone's watching me, like, I got to do it. Yeah. I have to do everything right. <laughs> well, see, that's the good thing about the intimate room of a spin space is it's so small that even, like, if I'm not looking at you all the like for the entire 45 minutes i'm looking at you probably 30 minutes of the time so you're forced to kind of step your game up and really be mindful of what you're doing and what you're not doing and it's such a different kind of fatigue like it's it's not like like a crossfit wad or like a run like there's just it's a different kind of fatigue that i'm just never experienced yeah i mean i think when people think of spin you know, spin has been around for since the 1980s. And so when people think of it, they think of your traditional, like, let's sit down, let's hit a certain RPM, you know, let's go this fast for this long. But this is different because there's choreography based. You're in and out of the saddle. You've got loud music. You've got lights. So it's almost like you're partying on a bike. But then it's like, all right, now crank that resistance up. And you're still trying to party, but you're still, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot of facets that come into those 45 minutes and you're doing all of them without really paying attention that you're doing them. So by the end, you're like, what what just happened? (laughs) Right. You know, I'm going through all the emotions like denial, (laughs) like... I'm, this isn't happening. Why am I doing this again? Yeah. And then, you know, you, I go through all those emotions. But there's a certain point where I'm like, I'm killing it. Mm-hmm. I'm feeling good. But then towards the end, I'm like, get out of my face. <laughs> like, don't talk to me. Yeah. The part, the, I think the big thing of our job as instructors is to take you through that journey. You, we had to take you through all the feels from like, why am I doing this? To, oh, my gosh, I'm killing it. To, I can't do another minute to, oh my gosh, I'm doing another minute. And then finally, yay, I did it. It's over. And you, you feed off of that, which is why people come back over and over. I just have one girl who yesterday hit her 200th ride milestone. That's amazing. And like, she just keeps coming back. There's something about it that's addicting that people love if they're willing to give it a chance. Right. And I've seen all the, the, the women in your class who 
are destroying me. <laughs> Let me just start with that. Yeah. Like, you got to put your ego at the door if you're coming in your class. Like, it's a whole different skill set. Yeah. And we've got some badass women for sure. Yeah. They're going crazy hard. Yeah. I'm like, like, if you could track this stuff, they would be literally lapping me. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I think the cool part about it is spin is, can be for anyone. Right. You know, it started off as a rehabilitation for injuries. I rehabbed multiple knee surgeries just by spinning. Um, I have a right knee that the doctors told me I would never be able to do, like not even run to the corner. I've had ACL, PCL, meniscus, like the full thing. But spinning has been the one thing that I can do every day, day after day, that doesn't leave me bedridden because you're working the right muscle groups, your quads, your hammies. And you can walk in there and you see someone and you don't necessarily think that they have that athletic ability. And then the lights dim and you're like, what the... Like, what's right. going on? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's a cool part about it, too. Definitely. And by the way, you missed your calling for an MTI. <laughs> like, could you, you imagine? A funny, there's a funny story behind that. So before I got out of the military, I actually wanted to be an MTI. And I had, I had made some connections and I was speaking with people. They're like, Sashi, you're just too honest. Like, there's, there's a level of kind of subtleness that you have to bring to being an MTI like you can't be 9,000 every time and I'm like well then I don't know if that's for me no I but. think you could have <laughs> that's better than having zero yeah I mean hey I mean you I could work with 9,000 I'll just take it to 8,000 <laughs> but yeah like just your voice your command voice your yelling like you would have been that you missed your calling with that had you stayed in yeah that would have been your thing I could have seen that definitely I could have seen it 100 percent. Sure. all right last bonus question okay you you didn't serve a ton of time right it was a hand it was what three and a half years yeah roughly for three mm -hmm. so basically like in enlistment one enlistment yes. essentially yes so in that time what was your proudest air force moment oh um i can definitely say I did really well with education when I was in the military. I was a regs girl, which I know sounds kind of crazy. Um, any reg that I needed to know, I knew very well. So yeah. it helped me in the short time that I was able to promote and, you know, come an A1C, become a senior airman, find these little job pockets that were only for specific people. I was able to apply and get those jobs. So I did... Um, commander support staff in Minot, which was great, but I also got a lot of slack for it because being security forces, you know, you're out in the fields most of the time. And I was like chilling in an office, doing paperwork and, and processing and all of that. So I think for me, it was definitely utilizing my resources, which is something that I've taken even on the outside. If you have those resources and you know it's going to help you in whatever opportunities come your way, take them because there's right. a lot of people who won't take those resources and it gives you a leg up. And let's be honest, the military is all about getting that leg up and knowing your next step in order to progress in your career. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, preparedness involved with where your career goes, mm -hmm. knowing the right person, knowing the right job, when does it open? Yeah. There's a lot you can, like you assume you're in the military, you have no say in anything, but- You, you do. With your own career progression, you do have a say in it. Mm -hmm. It's just how far are you willing to take that? Yeah. Right? And you know, when you're an airman, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. Right. 
but now that I can look back, I'm like, dang, like I set up my own retrain. I did that. Yeah. Um, you know, for making rank, I studied, um, I, I, I cross trained and then I was able to do PDG only. So I made tech out of that. Um, and so there's a lot of like strategy to mm-hmm. a military career that is more than meets the eye. Yeah, I agree. And then there's a ton of cool jobs at the Pentagon that I, I won't get into here, but let's just say there's some fun jobs out there. That oh, I bet. I'm aware of now where I'm just like, what the? <laughs> that's your job? But How? see, that's the cool thing about it is, again, like you said, you don't know until you know. Right. And there's so many things that you don't know if you're not willing to put in the work to find out or talk to someone or make the connection. And I've been really good at that is, you know, asking questions. I'll ask questions, even if it's a stupid question. Because if I don't know, I just don't know. And if you know, then I want to find out, you know, so. Right. My first six years, I was just laying low. (laughs) I I was just taking it day by day. Yeah. I I didn't know what I was doing or what I... I was just completely lost my first six years. So I was the opposite of what you were doing. (laughs) I think a lot of airmen are when they first get in. But for six years? I mean, you're almost to that borderline. I mean, (laughs) I would give you four. You just did an extra two. (laughs) Didn't click for me for a while. I'm what they call a late bloomer. It's all good. It clicked now. So you're you're good to go. All right, Sasha. So here's our topics that you picked out for today. You picked topic one, starting over again which I kind of feel like I know where that's going now. Okay. Uh, Topic two, success from your own needs. And topic three, entrepreneurs are a different breed. So let's hit topic one, starting over again. So what made you pick that? Um, I've started over in not just in fitness, but in a lot of things, but we'll keep it very fitness specific uh, more times than not. I started when I got out in 2009, uh, the whole fitness career came from just dealing with a little bit of PTSD, anxiety, not knowing what I was going to do after and spending time in the gym. Like I would go to the gym and be there for three, four hours because it was a familiar place for me. And that is how I even got into teaching. The owner of a gym that I worked at hit me up and was like, hey, you're always here. You know, you're doing these cool workouts. And they were just workouts like I've been an athlete for most of my life. He said that there was a class that was starting in that gym and it was called Zumba. And I had heard of Zumba because when I went to the Y in Minot, well, listen, (laughs) so I went to, I would go to the Y in Minot. It was the closest gym to my house. And I, one day I was passing by their group fitness room and I saw a flyer and the flyer was like, whatever it was like their Latin dance class, come join it. It's like a party, whatever, whatever. So I went to one class and I'm like, I'm Latin. I can dance. Like all the things. It's like, okay. It was just this calling is your just name. like whatever. And then after that I never heard about it again. So then when I moved back to California, the owner of that gym was like, Hey, there's this class that's going on, like it's this new thing. We'll pay for your certification. You go down to San Diego, go get certified, come back, see what happens. Cool. I have nothing else to do with my life. Let's go for it. And this is after the military. And this is after the military. Okay. One of the reasons I didn't get out was my fear of just being on my own again. Mm-hmm. I, I could barely take care of myself at my six-year point. I was like a man-child. <laughs> and so I was like, if I get out, like I'm going to fail. Like I just felt that way. And I was terrified to get out. So like, were you terrified? Yeah, or? it's super scary. I think as much as the military wants to prepare you for that transition, there's nothing really to prepare you for that transition. The military lifestyle is so comfortable 
as opposed to being outside where you get to choose everything. Like even for a woman, you get to choose. Now you've got like 9,000, 10,000 colors that you can choose for your nails when before it was like two. You know what I mean? Like it's that crazy. And that's a lot when that comes at you all at once. It's very scary. And for people that deal with anxiety, that deal with depression, that deal with, you know, post-traumatic stress syndrome, all of those things, they arise. And if you don't know or you don't have the outlets to deal with them in a healthy manner, it can get really, really dangerous. And I think that's one of the reasons why, you know, our suicide rates from veterans are where they're at, because they didn't have that proper transition of, okay, you've been in, you've gone through these traumatic experiences, now you're out, what do you do now? Right. So that's why I found myself in the gym. I was like, well, the gym is a familiar place for me. So I'll just go to the gym and spend hours there until I figure out what else I'm going to do with my life. And So that was like your way of like your sense of control. That was my sense of control. That was the one thing that I knew if I was in that place, hey, this is a safe space for me. I know what I'm doing here. You know, eventually I'll have to figure something else out. But at least for these two to four hours that I'm here, I'm, I'm okay. Well, I'm glad it was the gym because my comfortable place was was drinking. <laughs> so that's what I would have felt, you know, comfortable with. That's, yeah. That would have been my go-to to, like, deal with it. Yeah. Um, not now, obviously, but back then, definitely. So I'm just happy that the gym was your comfort zone. Well, I had my party moments. Japan was definitely my party moment. Gate 2 Street? It, the whole, like, from the moment I dropped down into Okinawa till the time I left, it was like... Let's party. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Go to work at 6 p.m., get off at 6 a.m. Cool. Like, it was just a, a whole party. No, I was, that was definitely me as well. <laughs> that was 100%. But that wears on you. And oh I think, God, luckily for me, it weared on me. It, it wore on me faster than, than the regular person. Because after, what, almost two and a half years of that, I was like, all right, I'm done. Some people were not done, but I was done. Right. And then, you know, I went to Minot where it wasn't like a party atmosphere. There was one like bar slash pool hall that we would go to on the weekends, but it wasn't crazy. Right. And so that for me, I was like, well, I'm not going to go here every weekend. Like, I got to figure something else out. Gotcha. And that was it. Okay. So where are we at in your story? So, yeah, went to get certified Zumba ended up teaching a class. My first class, <laughs> it was on a Tuesday morning. I had two people in the class. It was one girl who I think was like 14. She probably should have been in school, but wasn't. She was at the gym. And then a lady that was like in her 80s. Oh, wow. And I, I taught the class. And then a month later, you know, down the road, I was teaching to over 120 people. I'm surprised I didn't see you on like a Zumba DVD cover. <laughs> I, I got offered <laughs> later in, you know, later down the road. But by then I kind of had already started my own thing. So I was doing this for a while and I wasn't getting paid anything, but I really didn't care about the money. It was just another outlet for me. So in 2011, I opened up my first gym. I had no clue what I was doing. It was 40,000 square feet. I was just by, it was just me by myself. I was, was it was it a gym with equipment in it and you were taking over? No, it was a warehouse. It was an empty space. It was an empty warehouse. No oh, wow. flooring, no mirrors, no equipment, no nothing. What gave you the courage to do that? Um, for one, I had saved up some money from just teaching. 
And I started to realize I was getting lowballed from teaching hundreds of people. And what if I would just charge those people myself what kind of money I would make? Like 10 times more. So exactly. <laughs> so then I was like, well, I mean, and it was really hard. I was I was getting studio spaces. There's a really big dance community um, in the part of Los Angeles that I was living in. So I would go to different dance studios and try to rent out space. But the time that I needed, a lot of times was always taken because it was a prime time. Mm. So that way, I mean, I was losing clients that way. And I'm like, something's got to give. Mm. So I went on the internet, started searching for places, found this place, went in, gave my little two-minute elevator speech. And the owner liked me. And he was like, I'm going to take a chance on you. Great. Now I've got 40,000 square feet. What the hell am I supposed to do with it? <laughs> that's a good that's a great question yeah what do you do what with that? do you do with it so you've got to figure out now i need flooring i got to put mirrors in you know i wasn't a prepared entrepreneur i was going to school for fashion i was not going to school really? for business no oh wow i have a fashion marketing and global merchandising degree undergrad it wasn't until years after that i was like maybe i need to educate myself on business mm. and i went back to school and got another degree and my graduate degree in business gotcha. but yeah i was there i had gotten certification so i knew as far as how to teach what i was doing put some flooring down put some mirrors down and just luckily it was one class after another class 100 people every night so you could fit a ton of people. I in there. could fit. I have videos that surface because I would. I was one to always delete my Facebook. Like I would get tired of social media, and I'm like, I'm going to delete this whole thing. But there's still some videos that are circulating somewhere in the internet with videos of those classes, and it's like Dang. lines of people. How around much per the block. person? Back then, I was teaching. I think it was five dollars a person. So, so I was. I was making like on a good night. I was making like eight hundred dollars for an hour. Wow. My God. <laughs> That's, that is worth it. Yeah. That is worth yeah. it. Holy cow. I was um, doing that. And then two years later, what happened? Oh, the, something happened with the building. Then I had to find another way. So here I was back looking for spaces again because now I had this huge following. I couldn't just, well, leave them. So I started teaching out of a gym um, at a high school. And luckily, everybody followed, still making the same amount of money until I found another space, opened up another space. I was there for two years. Something happened. With, I mean, I've probably started, opened and closed gyms maybe five or six times. As much as you've de deleted and reactivated uh, your as Facebook. As many times as I've <laughs> deleted and reactivated the Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. And so the last one was my longest one. And... I moved away from the dancing portion because I started to realize that women really neglect strength training. And as an athlete, I knew how important it was, but you would have women who would come and take these classes night after night after night, but they weren't seeing the type of changes that they wanted in their body. They were losing weight, but as far as like the physical aspect of strength, they weren't gaining that. Mm. So that's when I decided, I was like, let me go back to school and, and really educate myself on all of this. And I started women's strength training and it was nice. only women. And that took off and that happened all the way up until COVID and then COVID shut me down. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> if you were an entrepreneur during COVID, yeah. that was a, a bad time, right? Yeah. 
Because they were like, I don't care what that this no. means to you financially. No. You're done. It's closed. Yeah. Uh, COVID was very interesting because I'm one to listen to my gut. And when the talks of it started happening, a lot of people, you know, told me just just stick it out. It's gonna. It's not gonna be bad. Just stick it out. And everything in my gut was like, this is gonna last for a long time. So, March. No, we started hearing about it in February. In March, I pulled the plug on my lease, and I was able to mm-hmm. because I was able to negotiate with my um, the owner of the building, and I said, "Look, here's what's happening. There's these restrictions that are happening, and they're not allowing my clients and my members to come in." If they can't come in, I can't make money. If I can't make money, I can't pay you. So he was gracious enough to cut my lease. March, that's when all of the restrictions started coming down. And so then I took it to an online system, and we were online for about a year and a half. And a lot of people that I know that, I mean, they put their savings, their their kids' education money into trying to save their business. They lost everything. Oh, my gosh. That was brutal. Yeah. Mm. And so here I am. I've been doing this for back, what, then it was like 13 years. California was just not getting it. I had gone to Georgia just because I was like, well, I want to check out Georgia. I've never been to Georgia. Like, I've been to New York. I've been to other places. Went to Georgia to visit, came back, and then I'm like, you know what? I'm moving to Georgia. Really? Yep. You liked it that much. I liked it that much. So you were in like L.A., which is like, you know, everyone wants to look good there. Like fitness has to be thriving. Yes. So it couldn't have been the lack of business, right? Or was it the restrictions of COVID? It was the restrictions of COVID for one. And it also, for me, was a change of scenery. I'm... I think it's the military, but you're like, I, I got a PCS. I got it. Yes. <laughs> I get the itch every two to three years. And wow. I, and so when they say that military doesn't stick with you, I've been out now for what? Almost 15 years. And every two to three years, I'm like, I got to go somewhere. If I'm not going on a vacation, I got to go on a plane. I got to go visit. Like I have to leave. Right. And it's been that way. I'm afraid then. of that happening to me when I retire because I, I like to move every four years. So like I've I've moved every four years. I put in, you know, what base I want and I I can't imagine just buying a home and just being like that's it. Like, yeah. I don't know what that's gonna be like. I but. know. It, I know. It's really crazy. <laughs> and like fortunately for me, I don't have children. So it's not like, well, my kids are in school, I have to stay here till they graduate, right? I can leave but it is it's a real thing and dealing with how do you okay i I have this urge that i need to leave what do i do with it like do i go on a vacation is that enough and then i come back like or do i need something more permanent and so when i had the idea of moving to georgia it wasn't a scary thing for me all of my family is in la i had no family in georgia i had one friend who was a friend of the family um, but I hadn't talked to her in like 15 years. Most people years. would like dread doing that. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like now you got to make new clients again. Now you got to find a new space again. Like most people would say that's not worth it. Mm-hmm. But it was worth it to you. It was. But I didn't even go with the idea of I wanted to open up another gym. It wasn't until I moved here that that demand became a thing. And so I was in Georgia for a year. It's like, okay, cool. And then here I come making my way down and then I got here, and I got here in October of 2020, October of 2021. 
It was freaking cold, man. Nobody told me Florida gets cold. I was not prepared. It does. <laughs> and so I want to ride a bike. Like, that's, that's my outlet. I want to get on. I want to cycle. I want to be in a studio. But the closest place was an hour away. I'm not driving an hour every day back and forth to go get in a room and spin. Right. Bought a Peloton. Oh, nice. Jumped on the Peloton train. Great. It'll do it for now. But it still wasn't cutting it. Mm -hmm. Got an email. Hey, I know that you're not looking to open something up, but this place just came on the market. Check it out. Went to look at it. Despite everything in me was like, Sasha, you're going to be starting again 15 years later in a place that you have no idea the tempo, the, like, the money, the possibility, maybe not. You have no idea. Do you really want to do this? Um, I want to cycle. So if I can't do it for myself, how am I going to do it? So at that point, you lived in Florida. I lived in Florida. So what was your job before the studio? So before the studio, um, at first, I didn't have anything. I kind of was just living off of savings. And then I got bored, as I do when I don't have anything to do. <laughs> so I went and I... You're like living the dream. You're just living off, <laughs> living off your savings and just... Enjoying Florida, and then you're just like, hey, I can't do this. Yeah, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I, I wish I had that ability to just chill. But I have been go, go, go for so much of my life that it's hard to sit back. Even on a Saturday, when work is done, I'm like, now what do I do? I think one of the biggest blessings in life is, is when you can align your purpose with your career, Yeah, which is actually pretty rare. Oh, absolutely. You know, most don't get to that. They're just like, I got to retire one day. I have to do this. I hate it, but I have to. Mm -hmm. That's the, the more common story. Yeah. But I think with you, your purpose is your career. And so it's not work to you. No, it's really not. And I've, I'm so blessed. I've, as crazy as it sounds, I've tried to separate myself from this purpose, you can say, many times. I've tried to do other things where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go try this. I'm going to go try that. Like I've I've done all the things you could think of to try and say let me let me try something else. And for whatever reason, it brings me right back to where I'm supposed to be. So I can't fight it anymore. I'm like I'm almost 40 years old. I'm like fighting it is just dumb at this point. This is what it's supposed to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, um I checked out the space. The numbers checked out. I told myself I'll give it a year see what happens. If it works great, if it tanks, you know, it's not too big of a loss, just some bikes and then maybe a mirror. And I went for it. I got the keys and I worked 30 days straight to build this building up, put flooring in, mirrors down, get bikes, assemble bikes, market it, the whole thing. And yeah, 30 days later, I had a grand opening. And every single class that I had for that grand opening, which was I think three or four classes was completely sold out. Oh, wow. I had no idea. And that's at the OG location? And that's at the OG location. Okay. Yeah. I, I was not prepared. I did not know what I was getting myself it into. It was a gamble. It was straight, like, eyes closed, behind the head, <laughs> like, with the left <laughs> hand. That's, how, that's <laughs> right. what it was. But you can't get away from it. And now, yeah, but I can't get away. And that's why, you know, I think for people when they're really – focused on something and life gets in their way it's okay to get pushed to the side but know like if it's really what you want and it's really what your heart and your gut are telling you to do 
you just got to keep going regardless of how hard it gets because it gets really really hard you know there have been times where I'm like man am I going to be able to pay rent like can I pay my insurance this month like where's my food coming from Mm -hmm. but everything in me tells me this is what I'm supposed to be doing so if I know that I know that the struggle is not going to last forever and it hasn't right yeah it's worth fighting for it's worth fighting for yeah for sure wow that's amazing and uh you're really good at it like well thank you i i think you're i, I think you could be like working for peloton <laughs> like i'm I, I could see you doing that you know what josh and i'm being completely honest the thing that holds me back from putting myself out at social media which is so horrible when i started in this fitness industry 15 years ago, the social media was not a thing. Right. Classes for me were booked based off of word of mouth and a Facebook page that I barely posted to. Now there's algorithms, there's times of day, there's angles, there's this, which is why I'm so blessed to have Angie, because if it wasn't for Angie, let me tell you. Shout out to my wife, Angie. Shout out to Angie, because that girl, like, she just gets it. She does. She has an eye for it. She has it. And, I'm not t- and I tell her all the time, like, you're, you're so good at your job. Like, it's, it's unreal. And so because of that love-hate relationship I have, I haven't put myself out where I need to be. And I kick myself in the butt. And people tell me this all the time. Sasha, your Instagram page sucks. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. Not now, though. Well, no. My personal Instagram page oh, sucks. Oh, your personal. Got it. The, the Rise and Ride one is, like, kicking butt. Because right. of Angie. Right. But my personal sucks. And I just had a meeting with my team about that. I'm like, I can't sit here and be like, you guys need to push your Instagram when my Instagram is like garbage. Mm-hmm. So it's just different, you know? Those are things I didn't learn in college. Like, I didn't have a social media 101. Like, it wasn't, right. it's something that I have to learn now. That's what I love about it, though. I love that I don't have to go to school for it. I just have to be good at it. Yeah, but being good at it is so hard. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It's really hard. It is. It is hard. And it's uh, frustrating. I learned a lot when I was working with you too. When I and Angie was coaching me the whole time. Yeah. I mean, she's always she's always been a part of it. Yeah. But yeah, I was like, man, this is tough. Like, I never tried to build something up like that for someone else. Yeah, yeah. Um and and then being in the in, in the fitness community, it's a whole different audience. Yeah. And, whole different times of day and algorithms and yeah it was like wow this is a lot it's a lot it's like very i got used to my stuff and i was good but then when i entered your space i was like this is totally different <laughs> for sure i had to start from the ground up for sure for sure okay so topic number two you have success from your own needs so you kind of touched on that a little bit yeah so why don't you run us through that so again the success of rise and ride man came from the need or yeah basically the need that i had for wanting to get on a bike so what sasha wants we're gonna get in the community i'm let's if you're not invited to the table build your own table oh dang and i've been building tables for 15 years i may be the only person at that table for a while but that's how i feel about it you know if i want it and there's nothing out there, and I have the means to make it, I'm going to make it. If I fail, at least I tried. Right. And one thing about me is I, I'm not okay. I'm like, I'm not afraid to fail. Like, I've failed so many times that now it's just like a, all right, dust yourself off, get up, figure it out, keep going. Wow, I love that. Yeah. I love that, like, 
you're it's kind of like the customer part of like your views and your mind like as a customer as a person in this community yeah i would want blank and it's not here mm-hmm. could i create that mm-hmm. uh and and yeah angie's you have a lot of ideas a lot you know she'll bounce them off me too she'll be like yeah. yeah sasha said you know maybe we should do this or that and you do events all the time you're yeah. invited to stuff all the time where you yeah. bring the bikes out so you know you're you're building that table here in the community yeah that has to like make you feel proud a little bit it does it it's kind of cool to realize what you vision actually has a place and has a purpose and sometimes my visions can go so they're so outlandish and people are like you're a girl you're crazy like that's not possible but i feed off of that i'm the type of person where like oh it's not possible okay great Boom, here it is. Now tell me what else is impossible, you know? But that's one of the things about just choosing to be an entrepreneur is you you have to be willing to have that thick skin. Was there a time where you didn't have the thick skin? And you oh, were, my god! You were like, I screwed my life up. I, my first, like, five years in this industry. Five I, years? Yeah. Oh my yeah. My first five years. I would go home crying at least like once a week from the simple fact that I would put all of my energy into my classes, into what I built. And when I realized or saw that some certain people maybe didn't appreciate it as much, didn't reciprocate that energy, oh, it was like a personal attack on me. And mm. my dad, of all people, one day sat me down and said, Sasha, what about the other people? Are the other people appreciating it? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And the people who don't appreciate it, are they still paying you? Uh, yeah. So then what are you crying for? And when he told me that, it was like a light bulb. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh-huh, yep, okay, got it. Keep it pushing. But when you pour your heart and your soul into something and somebody says something negative about it and you've worked tirelessly and you know like it, it's almost it feels like a personal attack Definitely. until you realize their journey is not your journey they don't know what you went through in order to get where you are and so because they don't know that you just have to smile and keep it pushing and if they're willing to take the time to speak on what you're doing you're probably doing something right yeah, that's the haters. <laughs> that's the haters. They're sipping that haterade. They're trying to. They're trying to take you down a notch. Listen, my favorite quote is checking the hateration in the dancery. Shout out to Mary J. Blige. If you don't know that song, <laughs> definitely listen to it. And you know a lot of songs. So. I know a lot of songs. Yeah, but Mary J. Blige says there's no hateration in this dancery, and that's exactly how I feel. <laughs> that just sounds crazy to say, but I still love it. Yeah, I mean, hey. Um, so what does that look like, the grind of being an entrepreneur? Is it early morning wake up hours? Is it like run me through run what, you through a daily? What that looks like. Um, right now it's a wake up at three thirty. Uh I teach a class at five. I potentially teach a class at six. Then I have books, I have to do books, do payroll, marketing events, phone calls, meetings. Probably until maybe 11, I'll maybe get some lunch if I remember. Um, and then three o'clock, I'm back on whatever grind I need to do, 
come teach a class at 5.30 or I'm here doing filming for some of my coaches, maybe teach a class at 6.30, go home, I'm at home by 7.30, take a shower, chill, maybe watch TV if I can keep my eyes open, in bed by 9, 10 at the latest and start all over again. Wow. <laughs> you do love this. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that you can skip lunch, I know that's a weird thing to point out. Yeah. But uh, there's a guy who uh, was a Navy SEAL. Um, I want to say he got fired. And there's a movie with Brad Pitt that's like based on this guy mm-hmm. who, who was like a general in the Middle East. Okay. But he was like a freak of nature because he would like wake up super early, run like a half marathon or something mm-hmm. every single day. And he'd only eat one meal a day. Yeah. That's a he, thing for some people. Yeah. He could eat, he could stuff himself and yeah. then skip every meal for the rest of the time, which I, I'm going to be honest. I thought he was lying. I was like, there, there's no way. That's impossible. No, it's a thing. Some people can actually do that. It's part of their intermittent fasting. And I also think it's tied into your purpose, though, too. So I'll tell you why. Because when I got to podcast for AFSA that whole time, like mm. five days of just dedicated social media, which was like, oh, my gosh. Like, yeah. I was let loose. <laughs> like, And... Um, I skipped meal after meal after meal, not even realizing yep, it. Yep, yep. And I was like, wait a second. It's already like 6 p.m. I talked to like, you know, seven people today, mm-hmm. haven't eaten. Like, how am I doing this? Yeah. Because I truly loved what I was doing. 100%. And was so engaged that I skipped those meals and didn't even notice. Yeah. When yeah. I thought that that was like impossible because I'm, you know, a fat kid that's always eating and snacking. <laughs> no, it's really possible. It's unhealthy, but it's truly possible. So, yeah, I think if you're living in your purpose, yeah. so when you said, hey, I'll skip, I'll, I'll have lunch if I remember to have it, Yeah. I think it's because you're just so into what you're doing. You're so in the zone. For sure. You're so comfortable at it and good at it that, yeah, you can pass that up and not even notice it. Yeah, 100%. So, I mean, that's that's a daily for now. Do I want that to be my daily forever? No. Um, I know what that feels like. I did that 10 years ago. And a 10-year younger body versus the body I have now feels it. Like Mm. by Wednesday, I'm like, I need a nap. I can't, I need to sleep and do something else. But the goal definitely this time has changed because I want to help people who want to be in this career field. And I want to be the person that holds them by the hand and tells them, this is what you do. This is what you don't do. You want the success? Do it this way. Or let me coach you. And luckily, I've had some pretty cool people that have come to me and expressed that interest. And they've turned out to be amazing coaches. And so if I can ultimately step back and be the cheerleader for the coaches who want to do it, like that would be the next step in my journey of being an entrepreneur. Leaders building leaders, yeah. as they say. Yeah. Yeah, and you, I didn't realize coaching was so challenging, but it really is. It's like, super hard. It's so, <laughs> it's so hard. Like, you make it look easy. It's a bit deceiving, right? Because yeah. we're like, oh, I could do that. You're just listening to songs and shouting stuff, getting people. But, like, it. first of all, you're doing the workout. So, like, there's that, right? Yeah. <laughs> You're tired yourself, um, and yeah, to do that, you know, workout after workout after workout and bring that same energy, the timing of, like, your coordination is next level, too. Thank you. Like, you're probably the best dancer, coordinator. <laughs> you're, you're, blow, you're blowing my head no, up, but I'll really take are. it. you really I don't know how you do it, <laughs> but you are so good at that. Um, but then, I yeah, I saw you, br- you know, bring on some more instructors, and, and 
you spend a lot of time with them yeah because it takes a lot of time to get to that point yeah you you definitely pinpointed the fact that I make it look easy which is my job and so it's great when people come to me and they're like hey I want to do that and I'm like great okay now here's all the things that you have to do and then they're like oh sh like that's not what I expected. Right. And it's cool because then the ones who really want it, they take it as a challenge. And they're like, okay, cool. And I'm not I'm not one of the easy coaches. Like look, going back to like the whole MTI thing, like I get on their butts. And it's just like day after day after day of like hearing me critique and critique and critique. But the worst thing that I would ever want for a coach is to go out there and not being prepared and have to feel what it feels like to bomb in front of 12 people who are there. Yeah, what does that look like when someone bombs in spin? It, you honestly, depending on your crowd, I mean, we have such a cool community here that I don't think they would ever noticeably like make them feel bad. But I've seen places where coaches have gone and they weren't prepared and the energy of the room just drops. Like almost like you could hear it. the music is blaring, but like you could hear a pin drop in the room. So it's like awkward. It's super awkward. It's cringeworthy. It's just it's the worst. It's like when a stand-up comic bombs. <laughs> it's it, it's almost as bad as that because you have to imagine you have people that are going there to get something from you. So like a stand-up comic, right? You have people that are going there to laugh to get mm -hmm. that from you. If you can't deliver, then you've got however many people that are just left not fulfilled with what they came and they paid for. Right. <laughs> so when a, when an instructor bombs, like wh how, do, how does one bomb? Are they just so gassed out themselves they can't talk? Are they just offbeat themselves? Like what does that look like when an instructor so it bombs starts it? with the training. I would say if an instructor is not trained properly, meaning they don't have the athletic ability to sustain their ride, right? They, they can't ride their ride. They're either too fast, too slow, need breaks, breathing heavy in a mic. Uh, like all of these things that you don't think of. Right. If you're there, if they're doing a sprint and they have the mic too close, you can hear that <sighs> through the speaker. Everyone's like, "What the?" F exactly. <laughs> you know, or they play a song that is completely offset with everything else that they had in their playlist. Now the energy you just lost twelve people's energy because you made a poor song choice. Right. Or you know they say something that doesn't really is not in line with what's happening in that moment mm -hmm. or they tell a story that's awkward i mean there's so many ways to bomb it's kind of like crazy <laughs> <laughs> that is that, i didn't even think of that yeah and so speaking of like my own experience with assuming something's easier than it looks mm -hmm. so believe it or not on my first base in guam i I'm not a singer, but I was like, I'm going to be a lead singer of a band. Okay. Because I was like, I love that type of music so much, like emo and screamo. Yeah. Like, I love it so much that I want it in my life. I want to do it, right? So we make this band, and I'm like, I practice at in my dorm room. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Not the dorm room. I've been practicing in my dorm room. My neighbors like, shut the hell up. Um, and I'm like, I got this, right? Well, I didn't have it. And yeah. <laughs> By like the third song, I think we had like five. By like the third song, I was out of breath. Like I didn't think, I didn't know that was a thing. Mm -hmm. And when you start to become out of breath as the singer who everyone's looking at, 
Oh my you, God. It, 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 you get this panic. You yeah. start panicking. Yeah. You're like, I can't do this. Like, I'm running out of breath. It's crazy that that's a thing, but like, I, I, you know, hats off to whoever's center stage because, my God, when something goes wrong, you can't escape it. No, you can't. You, you just have eyes just look yeah. barreling down on you. Yes. Like, what now? What right. do you do now? So, like I said, luckily enough, I've had coaches who have been willing to take the wrath of my teaching abilities, but that will never happen to them because they have plan A, plan B, plan C, just in case right. that that ever happens. If they go through Sasha's trials, yeah. they're truly ready. They're truly ready. And you have one of, one of the instructors was a, a customer um, who was kind of like soft-spoken. What, yeah. What's her name? Her name is Jamie. Jamie, yeah. yeah. She seemed like really soft-spoken, really quiet. And so when I saw videos that Angie was working on, and she was like an instructor, I'm like, wait a second. Mm-hmm. What? She's an instructor. How'd that happen? <laughs> Jamie is my little, like, she's my diamond in the rough. She, when we were putting out feelers for instructors, because that's a whole story, right? Having instructors in a big metropolitan city like New York, Los Angeles, it's like a dime a dozen. If I were to put out a, an ad that said, hey, you know, come audition, I'd have like 100 instructors waiting. In a small town <laughs> like Valparaiso, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, what? Um, you got to dance on a bike? Like, I used to teach spin back in 1992. But so you is, got folks that were like, I can do this. And then you explain to them what it looks like. Yes. Or they see it, And they're like, what the hell is this? Yes. And we got a lot of slack. Um, we still do, which I think is great in a way. But we get a lot of slack because we are that new style of spin. Mm. And, you know, people are like, oh, but it's dangerous. And this, that, and the third. But they've never taken a class. And they don't know that we actually sit down and tell people, okay, this is how you hover over a bike. This is how you engage your core and all of that. But with Jamie, uh, we were going through another instructor training and she came to me and was like, hey, I kind of, I think I want to do this. And I said, are you sure? And she said, yeah. And I said, all right, cool. So she came to the training and um, again, very soft-spoken. There were moments where, I literally just had her yelling in a mic so that she could (laughs) project. Exactly. She could learn to project. Um, But I I look up to her because I know what that's like to start something new that's completely out of your wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. And she would come in to the studio and practice for hours and hours and hours and then get on a bike and then ride and then go back the next day and practice for hours and then get on a bike and then ride. Like it was just her dedication. Yes. Her dedication has lent her to be this instructor that she is now where people who know her personally don't know the Jamie on the bike. Right. Like when she gets up there, she flips that switch mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, who is this? Who's this person? <laughs> that's good. Yeah. That's good that she has that. That's that's that shows her preparedness. Yeah. Uh, Mike Tyson said the same thing about Holyfield. Like Holyfield is like, you would never even think he could hurt you. He's so nice mm-hmm. and so gentle and so kind. But Mike Tyson said as soon as Holyfield gets in that ring, he's a straight murderer. Yeah. It's go time. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I think you have to be that way, you know. Uh, people come in search of something. And I've always believed that when it comes to fitness, like fitness is never one level. People just don't start a fitness regimen be just because they feel like it. There's something going on in their life that promotes that need for them to start that journey, simply because they know that that journey is not going to be easy if they haven't done it in a long time. 
So when you come in and you're searching for something, you have to have the best or hopefully you hope for the best to be able to give that to you. And that's why our instructors here, we have a very, very small group, but I'm not the type to just hire anyone just because you want to. Like you Mm -hmm. truly have to want this, whether it's one person you're teaching to or a packed house you're teaching to, because those moments that you teach to those people are everlasting and they might be going through the worst part of their life and you wouldn't know it, but they'll come up to you after class and they're like, you know what? And here's just an example. One time I had a latest, you know what? I just found out I was getting divorced today. Oh, snap. And this was the only thing that I felt that was going to keep me from just crying my eyeballs out of my house. Like, what do you do with that? You have just created a moment for someone that helps them get through a difficult situation. You didn't even know. But because you're trained, because you go up there and you give it 100%, you just help someone else out. Is that a whole different satisfaction when you know you help someone emotionally get through something? Absolutely. I think that's what makes waking up at 3.30 worth it. I wake up every morning and I, I mean, waking up at 3.30 is no easy feat. I don't care how many many times you do it in a row, how many years you've done it. Like, it still sucks. (laughs) Driving to work when it's dark outside and people are sleeping sucks. But when you get there and you have those moments you're like, you know what? I can do it. I can do it again. I can do it again. I can do it again. And it just keeps you going. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. All right. So we're to our last topic here. And we're, by the way, we're at 54 minutes. I know you have a class coming in, don't you? Uh, Yeah. Sometime soon? Sometime soon. So we're at 54 minutes and we're on our last topic here which is entrepreneurs are a different breed. So I think we, we got that throughout just hearing your journey. Yeah. So I wanna, I'm kind of curious to hear like what you'd have to add to that. When people think when you work for yourself, you have it made. I love when people go, oh, but you get to choose whenever you work. You get to choose this, that, and the third. No, I don't get to choose anything. The people who supply my life by paying for the services that I offer, they choose everything. It's like having a hundred bosses as opposed oh, to one. That's true. I never thought of it that way. And by the way, it is so hard to get people's money. It is. It, like I didn't realize it until I started just trying to sell some shirts. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and they're like, "Oh, that's cool," but nah. No. I'm like, "What?" But I designed it. Oh, that's great. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm like, "Dude, this is hard." It's... Like I can't even get people to buy a t-shirt. <laughs> like this is wild. It is so hard. Yeah, your brain has to be on. We've got 24 hours in a day. I would say 23 and a half. You get that 30 minutes to maybe think about something else. But those other 23 and a half hours, if you are not lasered in on what it is you're trying to accomplish, either someone else is going to do it before you or you're going to lose that opportunity. Hmm. And if either one of those things happen, now your business is at jeopardy. You have to live life every day until you get to that point where you are sustainable. You don't have to worry about it. Until that point in that building phase, you have to be on it 24-7. Wow. That sounds stressful. It's very stressful. So I love when people go, oh, but you can you can just work whenever you want. Yeah, I can work whenever I want. I work all the time. <laughs> 23 and a half hours. 23 and a half hours of the day. With 100 bosses. Yeah, and you know, and it doesn't pay you well in the beginning 
And so like you're taking a big risk on yourself. And right. that's why I say it's a different breed because in order to even say you're an entrepreneur, you have to be willing to bet on yourself. And a lot of people aren't. Right. You know, when you work a nine to five, yeah, it may be stressful from nine to five, but when you come home, you can leave it at work. Right. When you go back to work, you know, like you can call for a sick day. Mm. Who am I going to call if I'm sick? There's no one. Do what, Ghostbusters? Like <laughs> Ghostbusters. Is not, I can't call my boss and be like, hey, guess what? I'm sick. I'm not coming in today. That, that doesn't work. Is, this is your thing. This is my thing. Wow. I never thought of that either. Dang, that's rough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so different breed completely. It is a different breed. Because you have to almost be obsessed with what it is you're trying to produce. And if you're not, you're more than likely going to fail. Are you going to stay in this area longer? I or would... are you getting the itch already? <laughs> you know what? Don't go on vacation, y'all. If she goes on vacation... That's it. Listen. That's it. <laughs> I, I'm going to be in this area for a while, but I do have uh, goals to expand Rise and Ride. So my ultimate goals for Rise and Ride are Rise and Ride Baton Rouge and Rise and Ride Atlanta. So to, to, to have this thing as a company. To have it as a company. You got other people working in other locations yes. and it starts to eventually run itself. Yes. Yes. That That's going to be hard because there's only one Sasha. There is one Sasha, but Sasha's a damn good teacher. Yes. So I can coach other people to be just as good. And there's people out there who want it. You know, I, I have had a really hard time over the years being able to say, you know what, step away. But if you want something to grow, eventually you have to be willing to step away. I can't picture you working for someone like, <laughs> like you, I, you get, a, you just like to steer the ship. I do. Like you enjoy that. I do. And you're really good at that. I do. But people who are good at that, you know, do expect a high level of. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like if they hire someone, they're going to have high expectations. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I don't have a group of 10, 15 instructors. I have one plus myself and another one who's going to start on next week. If that was the case, if I was just one who was like, you got to be an instructor, you got to be an instructor, you got to be like, I, I wouldn't have to work. But the vibe and what I'm producing to me means more than having 500 instructors in my back pocket willing to teach. Wow. I, I feel like you're, you, you can make that vision happen. Yeah. Just with your philosophy and just who you are. I, I know you can do it. Well, thank you. Hopefully, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so let's hear what 20 years from now, what that would look like in your life. Oh, man. If, if your hard work is paying off and Rise and Ride, the vision you have for it is happening, it's happened, what does that look like 20 years from Rise now? Rise and Ride would be in every major city in the United States. There would also be some Rise and Rides internationally. Mm. Um. I I admire Soul Cycle so much from the way two women took an idea and you know financially they were way better off than I was but took an idea and literally just spread it like wildfire. So two ladies did that? Two ladies. Wow. Got together and were like, "Hey." And they started with one small studio in New York. And now I don't even know how many soul cycles there are nationwide, but there's like they're just killing there's it now. like hundreds of them. 
And they created, they were the blueprint for this type of a a studio in the United States. But where there's one, there can be many. Right. Right? There's a lot of people in this world. There's a lot of people (laughs) in this world, exactly. And so to be able to offer that to a different demographic um, and a different community and a different vibe would be would be just insane. So if Rise and Rye was at every major city. Every major city. Wow. I think you can do it. Yeah. I just, th- just knowing your, how invested you are, your work ethic, um, you know, the, the level of expectation that you have to even take someone on as an employee. Yeah. Um, I, I feel like you're, you're on to something here. Um, and eventually I'm going to look on social media and see the second store open. I and hope the so. third store open. Like, I just feel like that's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, from your lips to God's ears, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've been in the we'll see. That's my that's my quote these days is we'll see. We'll see. Because, you know, you never know. You always have a plan, but then plans, plans are plans until right. they're not. Exactly. So I, I do have a plan for this, and I do have expectations, um, but you never know what happens in life. You've got to be willing to just pinpoint and pivot and, you know. You've been pivoting your whole elbow life. Elbow drop on a dime. You've been doing that your whole life. <laughs> you so go. I think you're, you're, you're good. Yeah, yeah. But Sasha, I do want to thank you for coming on Hero Friend. Is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. Yes. It's, I that like it. I'm just going to have a ton of downloads. This is cool. I like it. <laughs> So you <clears throat> you did absolutely phenomenal. Thank you. Um, I, I already love talking to you anyways. You know, I always keep you here extra long talking to you. <laughs> I when, know, I'm going to start when, judging you. <laughs> when the door is like open and you're like, it's, you turn the lights off, I'm like still talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's so, all right. So I just, I wanted to thank you for, you know, sharing with us this incredible entrepreneur spirit that you have. Thank you. Because it gives hope for people like me, you know, who like veterans like me yeah. who eventually we're going to have to do our grown-up job whatever that is mm-hmm. out in the real world and that's a scary moment for anyone Hell so yeah. i think hearing you just going on your own as a as a kid practically um and making this incredible brand uh finding your purpose your passion taking that bet that gamble on yourself yeah which takes a tremendous amount of courage. A lot of people say they'll do it, but not many people go through with right, it. Right, right. Right, you truly took that gamble on yourself, and Rise and Ride has just become this, I'm just blessed to be a part of your journey because I absolutely love what you do for this community and your style of workouts. I, I, it's, there's nothing else like it, in my opinion. Thank you. And you're so talented, I know for a fact that you are going to just absolutely kill it when the rest of the world sees what Sasha's all about. Well, thank you. I appreciate this. I'm so glad that we finally got this done. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not cursed. So, yeah. Whew. Yeah, guys. We we finally got it done. I mean, it took seven, <laughs> eight tries, but it's here. So, Sasha, with that being said, um, is there any last uh, you know piece of wisdom or any final thought as a treat for those who are listening till the very end of this Ooh, episode. I definitely would say that being your being called crazy and having your dreams and your ideas being called crazy is one of the best things that can happen to you because it just means that they're big enough and that right. nobody has thought about it yet. So when that happens to you, take it in stride and go for it because someone else hasn't done it yet. 
so you so, might be so, the first one. So instead of if someone's like you're crazy, like you, for you to think that you're out of your mind, like come, come on, so to you, that's that lets you know you're on to something. Oh, absolutely. You don't take it as an insult. No. You take it as okay. This is a good idea. Absolutely, because if it's crazy, then there's people out there who are gonna look at that crazy and be like, that's phenomenal. Right. You know who else said that? Oh. Steve Jobs. <laughs> there and you he go. He made Apple. There you go. <laughs> So I'm on my way, guys. <laughs> that was his philosophy. I'm on my way, guys. All right, everyone. Well, I want to thank you uh, for watching this this far to the very end. I want to thank you, Sasha, for having your very first podcast thank you. with Hero Front. This was so fun. It was fun. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. This was the Hero's Journey of Sasha Lopez. Make sure if you're in the Eglin area, you have to come to Rise and Ride. It will change your life. And we're out.